You are listening to the Delay and Pray podcast, episode number 19. Welcome to the Delay and Pray podcast, where certified Catholic and weight loss coach Beth Bubick teaches you how to permanently lose weight through spiritual fasting. Get ready to gain faith and lose weight through a joyful transformation of both body and soul. Now, your host, Beth, the Catholic Fasting Coach. Hi, everyone. So good to be back with you for another podcast today. This is a good one because I'm discussing a topic that is probably affecting everyone at this time. This is the topic of fasting our loved ones back to the church and fasting some of our family and friends into the church in the first place. We do this because we know the importance that God and the Eucharist play in each of our daily lives. And we want those closest to us to experience the peace and understanding that only God can give us through His grace. And we also want all of our loved ones to be with us in heaven too. Well, I want to tell you that adding fasting to your prayer regimen is the very thing that is needed in these situations. And I'm going to tell you how to do it. I titled the podcast, Fasting Children Back to Mass, because we are all God's children and He desires that we all see Him face to face in beatitude one day in heaven, but He needs us to help them to get there. I'm going to repeat that one more time. He needs us to help them to get there. Everyone has someone that they know and love that is in this predicament. And it has never been so important as now to work together to get these conversion miracles going. Brandon Vaught from Word on Fire Ministries has written a book on the subject called Return, How to Draw Your Child Back to Church. It's a really short book. It's a very quick read, and it's definitely worth reading if you are in the situation of trying to pray and fast your kids back to the church. And he states some interesting statistics in the book. He says that the Catholic Church is hemorrhaging young people, as we know. He cites a recent Pew Research study that found that half of young Americans who were raised Catholic no longer identify as Catholic today. This is astounding. This means that over the last 25 years, half of the baptism you've attended half of the confirmations that you've seen, and half of the young adults that you've witnessed in holy matrimony possibly have left the church. That's 50%. That's half. Oh my goodness. This is really not great news. The Pew study that he cites also found that most of these kids leave the church before the age of 23. So this is just the story of young adults here, but the story of adults is just as bleak, especially after the shutdown of churches during the pandemic. I found an article online in the National Catholic Reporter written this year in January that states that after nearly three years after the pandemic, a third or 33% of all adults surveyed do not attend worship services anymore. That's up from 25% before the start of the pandemic. So what is happening? You know, we have to really think about this. I mean, okay, so like, why do these studies concern you? Why do they concern me? It's because there is a crisis of church-going Catholics happening right now, and it concerns all of us, whether our children are in or out of the church. So even if our own children are attending mass, there are influences that are working against all of us in social media, mainstream media, and music, and, and just 
tons more of um, other types of information that are flowing into our brains. So they're slowly eroding the value of the faith. I can see it every day. Can you see it? I don't even have to name it. I mean, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. This could be like faith versus humanism, could be the social issues, could be materialism, could be everybody working a lot right now, politics. I mean, there's so many things. This is the slow eroding of the good, the true, and the beautiful as written in our catechism and written on our hearts from God. But the upside is, is that there is also an answer, a joyful answer. God always gives us an answer. He's calling us to help him and we can start now. I've already started. He's calling me to mission to get 1 million Catholics back into the physical church through spiritual fasting. And I think it can be done. In my delay and pray group coaching experience, many clients have started and have already experienced family members and friends returning to church through spiritual fasting. These are grandchildren being baptized, husbands are attending church again, and adult children who dropped out of the pews a long time ago are actually starting to ask questions and come back to mass. And it's happening quite quickly. I think it's kind of funny. I think the Lord is actually grandfathering us all in under some emergency eternal law right this minute because things are getting so bad so quickly and he needs us and he's asking us to suffer. And these are struggles and I know, but you know, in my mind, I'm like, you know, I'm going to take it. I will take the struggle, Lord, and I'll take the grandfathering in. I will accept all the miracles for the discomfort of getting up early, praying and eating and drinking less for my children to be in the church, to go to mass, to come back to God fully in earnest with all their hearts. It's very important to me. It's important to my husband. It's important to the world. And we'll do it for our kids because we love them intensely. Our Lord did the same for us and more so as he was crucified on the cross for us. He chose to suffer and suffer so intensely in soul and body because as we learn from the saints, that suffering gives a certain intensity to the act of the will, which nothing else can give. That's why it's so difficult. In other words, it's the deep love for others that motivates us to do it, to will it. Our Lord chose the crucifixion to prove the reality and depth of his love for us. St. Thomas says he wished it to be known how much God loved man. That explains it all. And we can do the same for our children. An act of the will or of the heart may be strong and intense, but unless it is done under a certain stress of discomfort, such as fasting for others, it does lack intensity. Delaying food and alcohol when you are used to having it is intense and will bring the discomfort that fuels the intensity. So this is why some demons can only be cast out by prayer and fasting because it's going to take some discomfort on our part. And this is Matthew 17, 21. This is all about bringing about miracles for others through the sacraments and spiritual fasting. And yes, it is the answer. It's challenging and can be really frustrating sometimes. Ask my clients, <laughs> but we keep doing it and we find the miracles and it gets easier and the most phenomenal, satisfying thing on the planet is when you figure it out and you start to begin to spiritually fast in regimen on a daily basis. I myself have prayed and fasted all my children back into the faith after college. I have prayed and fasted many people back. 
along with other people helping me, including my mom, I'm sure, my sisters, my community. I'm never alone in my fasting and praying. I belong to a community of fasters. We fast and we pray for each other. We get hungry, we thirst, and God works miracles in our lives. God created us and we are on this earth to love him, to know him, and to serve him. And without him, we are lost. With a large percentage of Catholics not actively praying and practicing the faith, you can see why the world is turning to immorality as an answer to their unrest. But there's no rest there. Without God, especially in the sacraments, what is left? Just me on my own, stuck in self-reliance, basically. That is not a good thing. In fact, my friends, that's a very scary thing. Self-reliance and having the thoughts of, you know, I can do this all by myself, that doesn't work. And we know that. And that doesn't bring rest either. We can only rest in God. Our hearts are restless until they rest in Him, says St. Augustine. In his book, Return, Brandon states that parents are desperate to do something. They just don't know what to do. He says, quote, I'm convinced what they most need is a plan. For as a French writer says, a goal without a plan is just a wish. It's not enough to just sit back and hope our children will return. We need a proven roadmap, unquote. Well, his first stop on the roadmap that Brandon actually writes in his book is advising us all to pray and fast. That's like number one out of the seven steps. And that's what I want to address. After that, he lists six other things that you can do. That's super good advice. All things you can accomplish while fasting and praying. And here they are. I'm just going to like list them. And then I'm going to talk to you about prayer and fasting because that's my specialty. So number two is study the Catholic faith. Be a student and a lover of the faith yourself so you can pass that joy onto your kids and they can see the joy in you. Number three, plant the seeds with books and information, holy cards and gifts. And if you ask my children, I'm a huge proponent of this. I'm always giving them gifts and holy cards and information and and things. I mean, I don't overdo it, but when it comes to the holidays and things, they always get a Christmas gift bag. And in that is usually a font, um, a statue, a book, something like that, just to keep them on that that Catholic path that's so important um, for God and for me and for them. So always trying to plant those seeds. Number four, having conversations, asking questions about their faith, how their church is going. Like what Catholic church are you going to? Like what, what's happening with your faith? What's stopping you from going to the faith? If that's the question, like ask questions and have some dialogue around the Catholic faith and how they're practicing. Number five is move the dialogue forward in joy and positivity when appropriate. So keep talking not too much, but just a little. Um, Sometimes are easier than others. So you'll know when that time comes. And then number six, invite and connect. In other words, if they're not going to mass, invite them to mass, invite them to adoration once in a while, invite them to the stations of the cross. You never know when they might say yes. And number seven, the last one, If they do show interest, close the loop by helping your loved one return to confession or attend RCIA or whatever the solid steps are to fully return to or like come back into the solid Catholic life. And even when they are in the faith, it's always good to show interest and close loops about baptisms and about confirmation and just about getting involved in the church, talking about giving money to the church, talking about doing activities in the church trying to show them the vibrant Catholic life that we should all be living. 
So these are all great things. And I do all these all the time. I mean, not perfectly for sure. I go in and out of certain things, but first I pray and I fast. So let's concentrate on that first step and I'll help you make a plan. Cause that is what Brandon was saying. We cannot do this without a plan. So the first thing you need to do is cultivate a daily prayer and sacramental life. And if you have this down, that is so great. But a lot of my clients come to me and they, they want to start fasting and they really don't have a solid prayer regimen. And actually it can be very easy with a little bit of work. So the first thing is in the morning, you want to clear 30 minutes out of your calendar and begin your day with a rosary and scripture. For me, it's the Magnificat. And for me, I also have added Liturgy of the Hours. But really all you need is either the Magnificat or the Word Among Us or some other type of scriptural book, uh, a gospel and the homily, you know, either one. So you check out either one of those for what you like best. And then it's something that, that you're going to choose that gives you at least a mass reading or all the mass readings and a homily where the Lord can really speak to you through the living word. And that is what you want is, is you want to have this dialogue with the Lord and become just like best friends with him so he can speak to you and you can speak to him. Then plan one extra daily mass a week, one hour of adoration a week, and then monthly confession. Plan all this into your schedule. So in my view this is the minimum baseline or, you know, like the minimum you can do to develop a prayer regimen needed to spiritually fast for your loved ones. You really need this grace flowing through you from all of these sacraments in order to make the decision to fast. Prayer and the sacraments are the lifeblood of worship and connection to the word of God that will help you get the grace that is needed to fast and be virtuous while you patiently await the conversion. Because when all of this is done in joy amidst the sorrow, you're also getting this added grace of redemptive suffering, which is worth way more than you can even imagine too. So we're learning to sort of hold the sorrow with some of our family members not being in the faith, but yet just living our whole life in joy and going forward amidst the sorrow. So that's the prayer plan. And that's something that might take time. And you know, you just have to work on your schedule and know that it's really important in getting your kids back to mass. Now you need a fasting plan. The physical fasting is a little tougher and needs a plan of action and a guide. One way I have found is to delay sugar and flour and alcohol during the week and eat on an eat fast feast cycle of the week. We delay sugar, flour, and alcohol because these substances create over desire in our bodies and that creates over hunger, which in turn creates overeating. Our bodies begin to crave these substances and our brains like the dopamine hit that's received for the real quick short term. So the sugar, flour, and alcohol consumption starts to begin a pattern that makes you believe you can't function without them. And this will inhibit your spiritual fasting. I mean, sugar, flour, and, a, and alcohol, they can become like an addiction. You don't have to be an alcoholic for that to happen. It can be just a couple glasses of wine on a Friday night and Friday night comes and you can't turn them down. You just really want a couple glasses of wine for so many reasons. So just work on trying to delay that sugar, flour, and alcohol out to Saturday nights and Sunday, even Sunday nights, and see how that works for you. And that alone will help you in fasting your children back to mass. Okay, sugar and flour are concentrated substances that have been manipulated in processed food to cause a large dopamine hit in the pleasure center of your brain. And this is really what's happening. 
So this gives you great comfort and causes over-desire, over-hunger, and eventually this overeating, as I said. And if you are eating sugar and flour on a daily basis, I want you to know you're not broken. You're normal. It's it's everywhere today. I mean, it's every street corner. It's every drive-through. It's sugars in a lot of things. Okay. And flour too. And a lot of people are drinking a lot more. So all these substances cause some people to crave them in larger amounts every time they're consumed. And the addiction is real, as I've said. So to stop the cycle, I learned to delay these substances until Sunday. And I just want to let you know that Saturday night after mass is okay too. And there is a regimen you can use to do that. And it's what I had said before. It's this following an eat fast feast cycle of the week. So the ancient church fasted on Wednesdays and Fridays, and many operations also ask us to fast on these days. So the eat fast feast cycle of the week is not unique, but just not widely known right now. It's such a great pattern to put into practice because it helps make things much easier when you're fasting and praying. And here's how it works. You eat on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. You fast on Wednesday and Friday, and you feast on Sundays because Sundays are the day of resurrection and the Eucharistic celebration. And those are our feast days. Now, the eating days include three meals a day with no snacking or sugar, flour, and alcohol. So you're fueling those three meals with just really good vegetables and protein and good fats and good food, but just no snacking and no sugar, flour, and alcohol. Now, the fasting days on Wednesdays and Fridays, they include two to three meals and same thing, no snacking or sugar, flour, and alcohol, but now you're going to abstain from meat on both days. And those days, that's where you're starting your fasting is just without the meat. And then you can eventually eliminate meals if you want to, to get to a fasting day. Start small. That's how you, that's how you're successful. You have to start small. And then you have your feasting Sundays, which include the three meals with small amounts of sugar, flour, and alcohol. And then of course, Saturday nights after mass are included. And don't forget, there's also feast days in the church that are during the week. And we can actually have sugar and flour alcohol on those feast days too. And those are on the church calendar. So this is that eat fast feast cycle of the week that helps you just create a pattern along with your prayer life that helps you to fast. And the discomfort also will come up with that sugar, flour, and alcohol. And then you're more able to deal with that. You're like, oh, okay. Wow. I'm used to drinking on Friday nights. I, I really need to work on this. And so, and that's when you can work on it either through journaling or a coach and some thought work there. So the premise here of course, is to make fasting easier by eliminating that sugar and flour and alcohol from our diets during the week, because that puts us in over-desire of the food, the over-hunger and the overeating. I know I say this a lot, but I just have to drum it into your heads that it's, this is the food that causes the overeating. So any discomfort that's felt along the way, we can offer up in prayer as redemptive suffering for fasting for your families and loved ones, fasting them all back to mass. This is spiritual fasting. The fasting off of food and alcohol for a spiritual purpose, that's what it is. The cycle of the week, just along with the motivation of your spiritual goals, simplifies the practice into a delay and pray spiritual fasting experience with an added benefit of weight loss and optimal health. They just kind of tag along for the ride. So as you follow the simple steps of delaying sugar, flour, and alcohol in the cycle while praying and attending sacraments, your weight will naturally decrease. Your own faith will increase tremendously and the miracles you are seeking will happen in God's timing. God is always so generous. 
He always gives us the desires of our hearts if we're obedient to him. You will literally be living the scripture from St. John's gospel, chapter three, verse 30. He must increase. I must decrease. With spiritual fasting, you will be decreasing in your own self-reliance while praying and fasting others out of their self-reliance. This is how we get people back to the church. The physical weight does drop while you increase in love of God and humility. It will. But the more important part is the spiritual realm of spiritual fasting and the miracles that are going to happen in your life as well as the ones you are fasting for. It's not easy, but it's possible. There are other things that you will eventually need, such as journaling and coaching, like I've said, and of course, all the thought work. But what I've described will get you going right now. It's really about this food, making a plan for yourself, and then really talk, really thinking about your thoughts. What you think you can do, you really will do. Once you're able to wrap your mind around the possibility of praying daily and fasting off these substances for a period of time during the week, doing this for a spiritual purpose of bringing your kids back to mass, then that impossible goal becomes possible. You have to stop wallowing in the thought that it's, that it's your fault because that doesn't, that doesn't do anything for you. It just puts you into an emotion of like defeat or despair. And then your actions that come out of that will not be good. So managing your mind is really important when you're doing this. Managing your mind is the work of your soul. While praying and fasting for our children, we don't want to fall into that emotion of despair. It's not going to help our children. <laughs> it's not going to help us. Our emotions come from our thoughts, remember. So we can pass them through reason, holding both the sorrow and joy. And we can come up with thoughts like this, thoughts about trust in God, like even thoughts such as like, I am patient. It is working. God is always working. All of these thoughts they will help us tremendously in staying out of despair and leaning into trust and peace with the present, no matter what it is. Discomfort is part of life and it is so fruitful when you unite it to the suffering of Jesus and pray for others. We tend to run from suffering, even if it's just going without sugar for a day. But you know what? If we manage it correctly, that discomfort becomes our strength. When the skill of managing our thoughts and putting our feelings to reason is learned, we no longer need to use food or alcohol to flatten our emotions. We become a better, more virtuous person overall. We can also be patient for our children, trusting that God is working in their lives. Fasting is the soul of prayer. It's the way to fall in love with eternal life. It's the way to detach from what is not serving you or God. And it's the way to let grace flow through you to your children. It isn't easy, but it is doable and necessary in this life. So now you can thank God for all your struggles, including those of fasting for your children and your health and maybe your weight problems too. All these things are working for good in you, even if they seem daunting. They may be the very thing that will save you, save your families and the whole world too. We can help wayward Catholics return and help the whole world in the process. I think this is phenomenal. Fasting and getting hungry for God will not only help you and others, but it will make all of your life more vibrant as well. Remember, he needs us to help them to get there. So get fasting, my friends. I hope you found this podcast useful. If so, please subscribe and even leave a five-star review so others will hear the great message of spiritual fasting and get our world back to the sacraments this year. 
Have a great week, my friends, and I will talk to you next week. May God bless you and keep you always. If you are interested in learning more about spiritual fasting and permanent weight loss, then come join my course, Delay and Pray, a 12-week guided course for weight loss through spiritual fasting. You won't go through it alone either. I will be there to coach you every step of the way. This is a group coaching program where you are part of an amazing community of like-minded Catholics who have the same goal as you, to bring about miracles while losing that weight permanently through spiritual fasting. Your purchase includes an online course detailing what spiritual fasting is, how to do it, and all the tools you you need to get you the results you're longing for. Head over to my website right now at thecatholicfastingcoach.com and get the details on how to join. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and LinkedIn to always get the latest daily information to help you keep fasting, my friends. Can't wait to see you in there. May God bless you and keep you always.